The Cougars began 2017 the way they wanted, with a victory in front of the Lavelle Edwards Stadium crowd. Strength is all to the right, with trips to the right. Tanner looks and throws there. Catch made by Pau'u. Pau'u makes a man miss. He's on his feet into the end zone! Touchdown for Neil Pau'u! Tonight, BYU is in New Orleans to face the LSU Tigers. While the game may be in Louisiana, thoughts and prayers are with the people in Houston who have been devastated by flooding. The main concern for our team are the people in Houston, you know. Not really worried about the football game, and that's people come first. LSU is a storied program, but don't expect the Cougars to be intimidated by a team from the SEC. We're more concerned about the, the team and what they do than the conference they come from. We know they're a good team, and we look forward to the challenge. While BYU has already played a game, tonight will be the Tigers' first of the season, something that could play into the Cougars' favor. Oh, I think it's huge. There's advantages to both, but I think it's a, a huge advantage for us just to get things out of the way our first game and get the rust off and be clean this game. It's time to count you down to kickoff. BYU versus LSU on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Live coverage of BYU football begins with the Cougar Countdown Show. The Countdown Show is brought to you by Ken Garf Nissan, Honda, and Volkswagen. Proud sponsors of BYU and the Cougar community. We hear Cougs. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Good evening, BYU fans. Welcome into the Cougar Countdown Show. Tonight, the Cougars are in New Orleans to face the 13th-ranked LSU Tigers. My name is Jason Shepard. I'm in our BYU radio studios in Provo. Mark Lyons joins me from the Superdome, the site of tonight's game. And as has been discussed at length, All week long, this game was supposed to be played in Houston, but due to the horrific flooding in Houston, it has been moved to New Orleans, which is where Mark Lyons joins me. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm great, man. This is uh, awesome to be here. I'm I'm excited for game number two. You know what? Everybody's excited for this one. And it was an interesting dynamic this week. BYU was going to travel regardless of where this game was being played. But with everything going on this week, there was some uncertainty on where the game was going to be to end up. What, what type of effect does something like this have on the players, really on both sides? And it, it may just come down to being asked about it so much. Yeah, that could be it. They, they probably get tired of talking about, oh, yeah, well, they switched it. So I, I do think that LSU has a little bit of an advantage in that it's uh, just 80 miles down the road. That's where they, uh, that's where their school is. And I think they're going to have a lot more fans maybe than they would have had at Houston. However, they would have had more fans at Houston probably than BYU fans anyway. It's a different dome is the only thing. You know, the surroundings just aren't going to be that big of a deal. It's just a different venue. And so I'm not sure that this makes much of a difference to the players. The airplane landed in a different city, and uh, I, I just don't think that that's going to have much effect on anybody as far as uh, the travel, what's going on. I think they're going to be uh, up and ready to play this opponent. You mentioned you're excited for game number two. Well, game number one was last week. The Cougars beat Portland State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium by a final of 20-6. to Score probably wasn't surprising to some, or excuse me, the score was probably surprising to some since you were playing an FCS opponent. Now that we're a week removed from that, what were your takeaways from that game, and have they changed being a week removed? Yeah, well, a little bit. Portland State stayed right with Oregon State today. Had a chance to win it in the late uh, late part of the game. Uh, but I do think that uh, BYU is more concerned about their performance in that football game. 
I think the opponent was better than what people expected, number one. But BYU wants to be crisper. They just want to be, they want to come out and play well. Just that's what they wanted last week to come out and play well and, and play with, uh, you know, fewer errors. There were, there could have been a lot more points. It's pretty easy to see where a penalty here and a mistake there took away a lot of points from BYU last week. They could have had uh, a better margin of victory. But uh, they played with no turnovers. That was one positive. We saw new players step up and uh, play very well. Got a touchdown from a a young player that's never played before in Neil Pau. So I think there was a lot of uh, good things. And in reviewing the film myself, uh, I felt as though a lot of people were concerned about the offensive line. I thought the offensive line blocked real well at the point of attack. And uh, Portland State just brought their safeties up so quick and their linebackers were active. But at the line of scrimmage, I felt that those guys did a pretty decent job. Pass protection was good. So, you know, there were a lot of positives that came out of that game that uh, the part that you have to change, of course, is the mistakes and penalties. BYU's opponent, LSU, comes into this game ranked number 13 in the country. They're a powerhouse SEC team. They have a Heisman candidate in Darius Geis, and boy, if you have not seen him, yeah. he is really good, and that's that's saying, you know, that's probably not giving him justice. What is your biggest impression of this Tigers team? Well, it is their speed and quickness, their athleticism. They're, they're really good. Uh, now, I'm watching last year's team because... Uh, I well, I watched uh, their spring scrimmage, uh, which also didn't show anything. So, uh, other than uh, what I had seen in their last year play, now they have a lot of different people out there on the field, and so they have four defensive uh, starters returning. So that's a pretty big turnover, and apparently there's been some suspensions during the week that we don't know who they are, but people are talking, and it could lead to a couple more starters not playing today. So. Uh, that's that's the thing, though. That it seems as though they've got great speed, good quickness, and very athletic. Darius Geis uh, is really good. He's Mark, really you were good. talking about you're not not quite sure. You know if there's going to be some starters. Uh, Ross Dellinger, who is the beat writer for the LSU Tigers, says that the LSU team arrived to New Orleans without two starting defenders. We already knew Arden Key was not going to play, yeah. but apparently inside linebacker Donnie Alexander and cornerback Kevin Tolliver, neither will play today. So you, were, I mean, this is this is a team that was young to begin with, and we're without some key guys. Well, here's two more starters that aren't going to yeah. be on that defense. They're already missing uh, their six of their leading tacklers from last year, from graduation and key, and so uh, and uh, Alexander is another one of those guys. So that moves them down pretty far in their defense. So now uh, I played in a game against Wyoming, where uh, Wyoming lost 11 players on the day of the game, and eight of them were starters. And the team became really united and together because of that. But but it was a different kind of situation. Uh, the players were supporting the coach by uh, getting all riled up and excited to play, and they whooped us, whooped us good. But uh, I don't think that's the situation today. There aren't two factions in this LSU team. It's just people. So it is, uh, they're going to miss some people. All right, Mark, I want you to play the role of the LSU coaching staff. You're scouting this BYU team in preparation for tonight's game. What about the Cougars would concern you going into this game? Well, it would be the potential. (laughs) I hate to to use that as the answer to that right now. Uh, 
Shep, because uh, you would rather have them be worried about, oh, this guy and that guy. But it's the potential of what is there. They, they really do have a lot of good players. They have good talent. And so uh, the second thing I would be worried about is that BYU has played a game. They've had a chance to work out some of those kinks and some of the problems. And so LSU has been a tough team to run. And they are going to try to run the football. Uh, now, offensively, they have a new coordinator, and everybody in uh, Baton Rouge. No, no, excuse me. They're in, yeah, they're in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, everybody in Baton Rouge wants the ball in the air. They want to see an exciting pass team. And uh, that's the thing I'm going to watch today. They, they, uh, they want to throw the ball more. I'm interested to see that BYU, I'm going to see if BYU wants to get people up in the box and try and take away their run and force them to throw the football because that hasn't been their mo, MO in the past. Well, we're going to take a deep dive on the LSU Tigers coming up. In our next segment, we will talk with the man who calls all the action for the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. The Cougar Countdown Show continues in a moment on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Jason Shepard and Mark Lyons with you. We'll be joined by the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, coming up in uh, just a few minutes. But in the meantime, the bottom line, Mark, in the Portland State game is that the Cougars won. Yes, there are things to clean up. The players, the coaches talked about that. And head coach Kalani Sataki discussed what he saw last Saturday. The effort was there, you know, um, whether nobody quit. That was good. We just didn't execute very well. Uh, obviously, you don't like starting a drive on first and 25, but we're expected to get first downs in that. And so, so just didn't work out. But our guys saw on film where, where the, the mistakes could be corrected, and they saw how we can get those first downs. And it's not something that's outside of the realm of, our, of what we can do with our ability and our talent level. So we feel good about that. Defensively, uh, it's hard to keep an offense um, you know, off the field, but uh, we made them earn that drive, you know, and, and uh, I think other than that drive, we played really good, solid defense, and Coach Tuyaki and the defensive staff made a great adjustment in taking away the strengths of, of what Portland State was doing, and uh, we kept them pretty one-dimensional, you know, and then we were able to get the ball back and keep them off the, off the scoreboard in the second half. Mark, I mean, Kalani said it right at the very beginning of that cut. You can clean up you know, uh, assignment mistakes. You can clean up those kind of things. If a team's not giving you effort, that's another problem. Yeah. He did not see that, and that's something that he was very proud of. Yeah, the fact that they did play hard. I know there were there were a couple of holes in the center of the field in their pass defense, and, and that's something that you work on. they got to get people in the right spot. But uh, I do agree that uh, they were tackling hard till the finish. They uh, did do a good job, and uh, so... Uh, it does take at BYU. It's an absolute necessity. You get uh, you don't get quite the same athlete as a lot of these big schools have, and so you have to beat them by working harder than they do. We were talking about the unique situation that this week has presented, and obviously the the fact that this game was moved is is not significant compared to what. The, the people in South Texas are going through. Yeah. But one BYU player has a unique perspective on what's going on in Houston, and that's tied in Matt Bushman. Bushman actually lived in New Orleans when he was younger and was forced to move due to Hurricane Katrina. So unfortunately, he's all too familiar with what's going on. 
whenever these natural disasters happen, it's definitely it's a soft spot in my heart. Um, you know, I was younger when Hurricane Katrina happened. I was about nine years old. You know, it was tough. Our family had to, our house didn't get completely destroyed, but it got messed up and school didn't start up for six months. So our family made the decision to just drop everything and go to Arizona, live with my grandparents for a while. So it's tough and I feel for the, the families in Houston. It's, it's hard, but they're strong people. They'll bounce back and hopefully I just wish the best. Our thoughts, prayers and concerns go out to them. Mark, I mean that it is it is a unique perspective having gone through that. I mean, and it is there is some irony that you know this game was moved to New Orleans, which is where the the last time something this disastrous yeah. took place. And for a player like Matt Bushman to be a little kid and have gone through that, that's this, this has got to bring up some some emotions for him for sure. I would think so. You know, even so, uh, we were here in two thousand and nine, five years after Katrina. And, and you saw that everything had been cleaned up pretty well. And so you do have hope. You have that by showing up here where Katrina was and you see that everything is now kind of back to normal. Uh, you have that hope that uh, Houston's going to be able to do that. It's going to be a long recovery, no doubt. Man, it's just amazing everything that took place there. But uh, for Bushman's family to go through that and have that experience, uh, it probably is some uh, ir- irony that uh, he's coming back to where... Uh, Katrina was instead of where he got hit with yeah the Harvey this week we'll get back to some more Cougar cuts coming up in our next segment but as promised the voice of the LSU Tigers Chris Blair joining us Chris thanks for taking a few minutes before the game we appreciate it no thanks guys for waiting up on me took a little while to get here (laughs) to the very top of the legendary Superdome, but it's uh, great to be with you. You can tell already so, uh, you're a play-by-play guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that voice was awesome. <laughs> I, I may just have you talk for the rest of the segment, and I won't say a word. Uh, so Coach Orgeron mentioned this in his weekly remarks, but LSU, no stranger to having games postponed or moved due to weather. How do you think the players and coaches have handled what is certainly a difficult situation? Well, it is a difficult, you know, situation, and, and for the third time in, in, in three years, you know, weather has affected, and that's just kind of part of what it is living in this part of the country. But uh, for that reason alone, I think the team handled it pretty well. It's not a big surprise to them. And as it turned out, uh, being in New Orleans, where a number of guys obviously played their prep football, a number of guys for LSU played in this building during their prep career, uh, it was an easy transition because it wasn't a big deal. They've been here before, or if they have not been here before, they're excited about playing in this building in the purple and gold. So as it turned out, uh, obviously nobody uh, would have rather seen you know us play in Houston than LSU simply because Houston is a very important part of LSU. It's the largest alumni base outside of the state of Louisiana, and nobody wanted what happened over the last week to 10 days. But if it had to be somewhere, it was an easy transition, obviously, from a mileage standpoint, only about an hour's drive uh, east of Baton Rouge. But the fact that this building means so much to so many kids from the state of Louisiana, it made the uh, decision a lot easier for the team. I don't think it was a distraction at all. Yeah, and it turned out that it was a good choice as far there was some concern that uh, where was that Harvey going to go? Yes. And so the fact that it has been nice here for the last couple days, that's been good. So, uh, Chris, can you tell me, uh, I know Coach Ogeron was having a, a temporary game or a, a kind of a play-like game. There were going to be four of them a row in, in fall ball. Yeah, exactly. And, he and really he approached it as the NFL does. Uh, you know, the practice was a little bit lighter. 
a heavy emphasis on film work as opposed to getting out there and actual contact. And then he said every week at the end of fall camp, each week of fall camp, we'll go out there and, and you know, have that type of contact game-like situations. Uh, the fourth week, it was uh, a little more staged. It wasn't just live football, but they had uh, situational uh, drills going on, but he just approached it from we need to be fresh. We do not need to be uh, have nagging injuries if we can avoid them going into week number one. We need you to be fresh. We need your bodies to be fresh. And it's something he told everybody he learned from Pete Carroll at his time at USC and even more so when Coach Carroll moved to the NFL. He's kind of added a few of those wrinkles as well. So um, you know, the first three preseason quote-unquote scrimmages or games uh, were live for a chance to see what they could do at full speed. And then the final one was really to decide uh, in situations who would make the first string or second string. So that's how it worked. Talking with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair here on the Cougar Countdown Show. With that being said then, Chris, how ready are the Tigers for this first game? Do the coaches have a a good feeling on that one way or the other? You know, I think they do. The one thing that obviously uh, when people ask Coach O over the last week or so who had the advantage in playing an earlier game, obviously BYU playing Portland State last week, uh, and it's kind of getting that rust off, and I'm sure you guys talked about it last Saturday, uh, substitutions, avoiding penalties, uh, self-inflicted penalties, I should say. Uh, So that's going to be a concern, but that's a concern for a head coach at any program in week number one. So that's something LSU has to deal with. The only thing that I think will be interesting tonight, gentlemen, is the fact that Matt Canada's offense is known for its shifts at the offensive line and the motions, multiple motions, pre-snap. And, of course, that has to be choreographed extremely tight uh, with one guy moving and and you can't have the other guy moving without avoiding a penalty. Um, So I think that's what Tiger fans and obviously this coaching staff are going to be looking for is how precise have they gotten that little dance down pre-snap uh, with the motion that Coach Canada likes to run. And hopefully it'll be to a minimum, uh, but it's got to be a big concern going into the game. Well, the big weapon has got to be Darius Geis, right? Uh, he really, uh, watching him play, is, uh, well, it's going to be worth the price that I paid to get in today. But I didn't pay. <laughs> but uh, You paid the same be, price I did. That's right. It's going to be worth the price that everybody paid to get here today. And uh, to watch him play is uh, really going to be exciting. He's got to be kind of the uh, marquee guy to show up and play well today, right? Matt Canada said it back in the spring when he arrived, the offensive coordinator, that the offense was going to be built around Darius Geis. And what you need to realize, and what again I'm looking for today, is that Geis is a threat at any moment. He's a threat at his own four-yard line as much as he is at the opponent's four-yard line. But the fact that he's in the game also may allow some other Tigers to get featured because I don't think there's a yeah. defense that LSU will play this year that's not going to be concentrating on where Darius Geis is at every moment of the ball game. But I think he will get his carries, but I think he also can be used as a very strong decoy as this team matures in this offense. Danny Etling started the final 10 games of last season, led LSU to a 7-3 and record. He was named the starter after battling it out in camp. It doesn't appear to be a guy that's going to pick you apart through the air. Why was he the guy that Coach O and Coach Canada decided this is going to be the guy that we're going to go with? Coach Canada told me about three weeks ago that when he was hired, the first guy to meet him, first student athlete to meet him was Danny Etling. And Danny had already been spending two to three weeks, maybe even a month following the bowl victory over Louisville. Uh, studying Canada's film. He wanted to have it between the years before Canada ever set foot in Baton Rouge. And Coach Canada was impressed with the fact that he had most of the offense down. 
and as I talked about, it's a simple offense. They run the same plays we all run. Yeah. And you'll recognize the plays once they snap it and the play begins. But there's a lot of window dressing around it that the quarterback has to orchestrate. And I think the fact that Danny had spent so much time in the film room before they even started spring football gave him a little bit of an advantage. And I think you have to have it between the years to do this effectively. And if you look back to last season in the one year he was at Pittsburgh, he made Peterman look like a veteran quarterback who handled that offense as smoothly as Silk. And I think that's what he thinks Danny Etling can do for him this year. So I was on the plane with a few LSU fans flying out here, and they were telling me a similar – now these are – really knowledgeable fans i want you to know that oh most of them are that i've met <laughs> but uh they want to see the ball in the air is that going to happen with uh, coach canada now that uh, that uh he's got a thrower can etling be the guy you know i don't know that danny etling is going to be the guy that's chucking at 30 40 yards down the field although he can do it and he did it on a couple of occasions last year but i think the fact that he's got a number of big receivers. When you look at the two deep for LSU, you're going to see guys 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", all around 205, 210, 215. They're big targets. If you throw in the middle of the field or that intermediate passing range, then it becomes what do you do after the catch. So I think they can get big yardage through the passing game, and I think they'll take their chances downfield because Coach O has said since being Name the interim head coach. That hit, that's the offense he likes. He likes to stretch the field. So I think they'll do that a couple of times. But I think the danger in the passing game for LSU is going to come from the intermediate across the middle stuff where they just got some speedsters that once they get loose, open in space, look out, they can they score can from anywhere. Chris, for those who may not follow LSU closely, explain what the loss of linebacker Arden Key means for the Tigers. Well, he is just an absolute force. Coach O said when he recruited Arden Key that he was NFL material, and he is not disappointed in one bit. I mean, he is a really a master at rushing the quarterback, and even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, the fact that it's constantly on the mind of the QB uh, can change a game. So without him, you're, you're really missing a guy that is a threat, much like Darius Geis is on offense. Arden Key is a threat every time the ball is snapped to be right there at the quarterback. And he was a big part in really shutting down last year's Heisman Trophy winner, holding Louisville to zero touchdowns in that bowl victory. And he picked up a safety uh, in the end zone uh, and I think affected the rhythm of the quarterback all day long. So it is a huge loss without him simply because, again, the fact that he's on the field makes everybody concerned on the other side. Yeah, BYU fans, you can you could put in Kyle Van Noy's name there, and, and you get the idea of what importance Arden Key is for uh, for LSU. So the last question I have is uh, special teams. You're losing a place kicker. Uh, your punter's back. Uh, so certainly adequate in the punting. What do you know about the place kicker? Jack Gonsolin is going to be the place kicker for field goals and extra points, and it's an interesting point, uh, I think, because Coach O has probably talked about the way Jack Gonsolin went about winning this job going back to the spring and in fall camp beating out Connor Culp, a younger place kicker for the Tigers who will handle the kickoffs uh, tonight and probably foreseeable in the future. And he really emphasized the fact that those guys went at it. I mean, it was a true competition. And sometimes kickers, you don't put in that that same vein as you do linebackers or quarterbacks or running backs. But he really emphasized the fact that these guys battled hard to win these starting positions. So I think because that atmosphere of competition was there made both of those guys much better. Um, I think the big concern for LSU, not really the place kicking, and although we'll have to wait and see, I think 
think it's on the return game because they've got new guys there as well. But, boy, do they have some talent. Uh, Dante Jackson is uh, one of the fastest guys in all of college football. And when he fields it on kickoffs uh, or punts, uh, he's a danger as well. But I think they, they feel confidence in their kickers. I think they want to see those hidden yards from special teams come to fruition yeah. from the return team. Chris, last thing, and we've got about 30 seconds. How do you see this one playing out? What do you think this one boils down to? I think it all comes down to what happens in the trenches, and I know that's the easiest answer I could possibly give you. But the size of BYU has been a concern for Coach Ed Ogeron since last year. We talked to him before the bowl game, or after the bowl game, I should say, previewing 2017, and he said he learned a long time ago playing on the West Coast and coaching out there that BYU is always physical at the point of attack. And the offensive line for LSU, they've had some departures. They've got some young guys. In fact, the first starting offensive player uh, on the offensive line for the first time in school history, and Sadiq Charles will be on the field tonight. So I think that's a battle we're going to look at closely. And as every coach in America has said thousands of times, whoever wins the battle in the trenches is probably going to win this game. Chris Blair is the voice, and let me underline the word voice, of the LSU Tigers. Chris, thank you so much for taking a few minutes, and uh, have a good call tonight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you waiting on me. You guys do the same. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you. you very much. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. All right, coming up next, we'll hear more from Coach Sataki and Cougar Cuts. This is the Cougar Countdown Show on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Thank you. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Jason Shepard, Mark Lyons with you. Mark is in New Orleans. I am in our BYU Radio Studios in lovely Provo, Utah. BYU, LSU getting ready to face each other at the Superdome. Let's get back to some Cougar cuts. And, Mark, as we were talking with Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, obviously a lot of, of discussion, and rightfully so, about Darius Geis. And stopping or at least slowing him down is a priority for anyone facing LSU. Head coach Kalani Sataki discussed what type of talent Geis is and how he thinks his guys will do against the Heisman candidate. Oh, really good player. I mean, I, th- I, I, don't, I think he only had, because uh, Fournette was was hurt last year, so he only had maybe six starts. And uh, in the games that he played, I mean, he got, I just guess, about 1,300 yards rushing or so. So he was dynamic and he could run. And it's going to be a huge uh, task for our guys. But I, I think our, I think Fred and the boys are ready to roll. We'll see what happens on, with, the, with our defensive front, with our linebackers being able to stop the run. Yeah, we'll prepare for it and we'll see what happens. Mark, if BYU is going to have a chance to win this game, they have got to keep guys in check. Yeah, that's absolutely. You know, uh, 250 yards is uh, quite a game for somebody, and last year he had two of them and ran for 285 uh, in the in the big one. He has the uh, most yards gained by an LSU rusher. There have been a lot of good ones there. He's very quick. He's strong. And, uh, you know, they don't throw him the football very much. At least they didn't in past years. Now, in this new offense, you would think you'd try to get him in space. It's an interesting question that we in the media ask coaches, and it's, hey, do you know the other coach? I mean, the coaching fraternity really is such a small one. Coaches cross paths at all different levels of athletics, and the same is true with Coach Sataki and Ed Orgeron. 
Coach Ogeron, uh, so he, you know, he was at SC, but he's been in different places. When he was the head coach at, at Ole Miss, he, I mean, he, he and I connected. I, I actually was just a, a nobody coach, and, and I remember just him taking the time to talk to me. You know, so I, I, I've always had that connection with him. He's just a really friendly guy, and, and um, always open to talking to you. Didn't didn't care. Uh, never never got a big time anyone, and I always appreciate that about him. So good guy, and we'll just we'll see what happens. I'll talk to him, you know, pregame and after the game. But um, really good coach too. He, he knows. The stuff so i'm um, honored to go against them and as head coaches in this game mark isn't it funny just how small the coaching fraternity really is you know they go everywhere that's the thing with coaches uh it's one of the reasons i guess i'm not doing that uh, is because you end <laughs> up uh, man you know you're fired every three years and uh so uh, interestingly enough jeff grimes who of course worked for a few years at byu and when nate mickle was playing he is the offensive line coach at lsu and, of course, Dave Aranda, the uh, def- defensive coordinator, was a uh, defensive coach at Utah State. So both of those guys know a lot about BYU. Up next, it's your chance to ask Lions. If you have a question from our clients, you can tweet me at JSN Shep. Don't forget, use the hashtag AskLions, and that is L-Y-O-N-S. You're listening to the Cougar Countdown Show on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back into the Cougar Countdown Show. Jason Shepard in Provo. Mark Lyons joins me from the Superdome in New Orleans, getting you ready for BYU and LSU. All right, Mark, time for Ask Lyons, and I've got some questions for you from Cougar fans. Now, I never want to speak for you, but I actually (laughs) answered this first one already. I hope you don't mind, because uh, at Texas Colonel, asked you can i have your job i said no but if you'd like to change that answer i will give you the floor uh, that's a big no <laughs> no man See, that's what no i way, man yeah i know uh does he know that i'm old and uh i just can't quit does he know that i just can't quit hey, there's Mark, no way the word is mature that oh, is what yeah. you are seasoned yes yeah, season i like that even better all right next question this one comes from luke uh, Luke asks, besides Fred Warner, who is the best defensive player BYU has? Boy, uh, you, you really like uh, your strong safety to be a solid player, you know. But uh, Taki Taki is really uh, turning into a, a, a buzzsaw. He's going to be tough to beat as far as that second best guy. Ah, uh, oh, man. Uh, and then there's Butch. I'm going to go middle linebacker Butch Pau because. Uh, okay. Man alive, you know, he's going to be the leading tackler. Your middle backer should be your leading tackler. Taki Taki gets such important tackles because they're all for losses and sacks. And it takes people out of what they want to do. But uh, Butch lights you up. Oh, man. Uh, hope he has a good one today. Hey, speaking of Sione Takitaki, you're actually going to hear from him coming up in our next segment. Uh, he was my Shep Talk conversation this week, so you'll hear from Sione in, uh, in just a bit. Uh, this question coming in from Michael Freeman, he asks, how are the tight ends being used differently than in years past? Well, uh, I really like how they're putting in a different formation. So sometimes he's in a tight end regular spot with his hand down, 
and uh, he still runs. He he's a blocker in that situation, but he also runs pass patterns out of that situation. Then they move him uh, three yards off, so that's called a flex position. So he's three yards off of the tackle, still on the line of scrimmage, and he's in a stand-up spot. So uh, he now has much better freedom to elude that outside backer or safety that's going to defend him. So I like how they uh, are changing his formation. So it allows him more freedom to do different things. That play-action pass off the bootleg with him blocking down account and then sliding out in the flat, that really is an effective play. So I like how they've gone back to turning him in and out. So he'll release off the line of scrimmage, and if there's congestion in the middle, he turns out, and the quarterback spots him and hits him on the out turn. If he's got somebody running on his outside shoulder, he turns in. And so it's a read route rather than uh, it's already drawn up on the playbook as to where he has to be. So when you read, quarterback waits an extra count but gives you a better opportunity to get him to football. Thanks to everybody who uh, chimed in and gave your questions for Mark Lyons. Again, throughout the week, if you ever have a question for Mark that you would like to ask, use the hashtag AskLyons, that's A-S-K-L-Y-O-N-S, and uh, we'll try and get your question coming up on the next Cougar Countdown Show. We come back, my Shep Talk conversation with BYU defensive lineman Sione Takitaki. The Cougar Countdown Show continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Jason Shepard, Mark Lyons with you. This week's Shep Talk conversation is with BYU defensive lineman Sione Takitaki. And after sitting out last season, Takitaki is back and ready to wreak havoc on the opposition. And if last Saturday's game against Portland State is any indication, he is off to a great start. Here's Shep Talk with Sione Takitaki. I think the word that kept coming to mind was beast while watching you on Saturday. How good did that feel, and how do you think you did on Saturday? Uh, I felt good. I, I felt like I did okay. I had a lot of assignment errors we need, that I need to tighten up, but i um, been working on these these last uh, two days and working with the teammates, and uh, we did good as an overall front, and uh, I got some sacks, but uh, we all got some sacks. Everyone did their job. Kesney Tosin kind of gave me that sack, so... You know, one gets a sack, we all get a sack. What were the emotions like for you to be back on the field? Uh, it was a little jittery at first. Um, the first series, I was kind of jittery, but um, uh, after the first play, you know, got got a little tackle. Um, after that, it was kind of just game on now, you know, time to go. I know you've talked a lot about being back and how blessed you feel. What's been the best part about being back? Uh, being able to spend time with my coaches and my, my teammates, uh, that I call my brothers, you know, just being around uh, the facility, practice, um, down to the little things, play games, play Monopoly. So all the little stuff, you know, counts and, and watching film with those guys. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a plus, you know, being back with them. Isn't it funny how that works where it's like the little things that you miss? It's not the, necessarily the big, yeah. it's the little stuff, right? Yeah, it's the little stuff, yeah, little stuff that counts. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I can't, can't say enough about, about being around my teammates and coaches. It's been good. How would you describe this defense? For somebody that hasn't seen this defense play or doesn't know too much about it, how would you describe this defense that you're uh, on? I, I feel like we're really, really good. Uh, that's all I can say about us. Um, but once we tighten up the, the little errors and stuff, um, I feel like no one can stop us. And I feel like um, we're going to go against a, a good offense. And I feel like if we fix up all the stuff, including myself, you know, that made a lot of mistakes, um, we'll be kind of unstoppable. That's kind of how I feel. 
Obviously, the big talk this week has been the venue change with all of the devastation in Houston. Now that the game's going to be played in New Orleans, does the venue change do anything for you guys as players, or does that not affect you guys? Uh, it doesn't affect us at all. We're just kind of uh, we're going to play here, and it's all kind of the same. You know, whether we play in Hawaii, California, wherever, uh, we're going to we're going to show up and give it our all. So that's what it's kind of been our mindset. You mentioned taking on a good offense. What are your thoughts on taking on a not only a team like LSU, but a program as storied as LSU? Uh, I feel like I feel. It's really good, you know, for, for all of us, for BYU, for for the coaches, uh, to see what we can do against a, a good team like this. And um, I feel like, you know, no, you know, not to discredit Portland State or anything, but this will be our kind of our real challenge, you know, see where we're at. And I feel like we're going to do good, you know. There's nothing else I can tell you, but that we're going to do really good. You know, everybody went into that Portland State game, and, and maybe not necessarily from the coaching staff or the players, but outside fans looked at this as a tune-up. What can you take from that game into an opponent like LSU? Uh, to, to, to just get all the little jitteries out, um, make our mistakes there. Um, like I said, no discredit Portland State, but we kind of, you know, it's kind of happy that we kind of started off with them. We can make all our mistakes, uh, fix up a lot of stuff. I got to fix up a lot of stuff myself, so I'm happy that we played them, and then this following up week, you know, we're excited. So, get the opportunity to go against uh, Darius Geis, quite uh, quite the handful. What's it like to be able to go up against a, a Heisman candidate like that? It's exciting, you know, uh, for a guy that's all, um, you know, that's out there and hyped up and, and all that stuff. Uh, he gets to see where we're at, and I'm excited. It's, it's good for us too for the next level. You know, guys trying to make it to the next level. So, I'm excited, man. There's, can't wait to play against him. I heard he's a great player. You know, tip my hat to him. But uh, we'll see Saturday. When you go up against great players, mm-hmm. other players rise to the occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great players rise to the occasion yeah. against other great players, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, that, that you know, that's kind of what I was saying. You know, we're, we're gonna this is gonna be our, our kind of our, our real challenge, and um, we're gonna accept it and see what we can do. Coaches have talked a lot about the depth of this defense in general. How deep is this defensive front? Uh, we're deep with the linebackers and the D line. We got a lot of uh, young guys too that can play, so that's that's really good for us. Uh, we got Longy and uh, we got uh, Kyrus and and um, and man, if you look all the way down to the DNs to, to the D tackles, we have a lot of guys behind that can play too, and that's what's going to make us really good, you know. So when third quarter, fourth quarter comes rolling around, we'll be able to rotate and and uh, still look fresh, you know, and still do our assignments at 100. percent What else have the coaches talked to you about in, in terms of things that you guys really are going to need to do on Saturday to be successful as a defense? We're going to have to tighten up our errors. I feel like I made the most mistakes on Saturday, so I'm gonna have to tighten that up. And uh, you got to really be a Simon Sound with this LSU defense, uh, with this LSU offense, and uh, can't make mistakes because if you make a mistake, they're gonna gut us, you know. So um, really tighten up the errors, um, no no room for mistakes, and kind of just work from there. All right, as we wrap things up, I always end these interviews with the final four questions. These are personality questions, just mm-hmm. quick response questions, okay? Yes, All right, if you could only eat one cereal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cinnamon crunch, cinnamon toast, yeah, cinnamon toast crunch, yeah. That was quick. Yeah. That was very quick. Uh, yeah, I, I have that at home, two boxes ready for me, so, <laughs> you know, I kind of eat that kind of every other day, you know. It's pretty good. Okay, what is your favorite Disney character? Uh, Bugs Bunny. I don't know. Uh, growing up, I watched it a lot, so Buzz Bunny, yeah. All right, let's go with when they make your life story into a movie, which actor do you want to play you? Uh, <laughs> uh, the Rock. I don't know. He's kind of, <laughs> he's kind, you know, kind of Polynesian himself, so I, I would say The Rock. It's not bad. If The Rock can play you in a movie, you're doing pretty good. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that's kind of off the, 
off the head. But, yeah, The Rock is a good actor. All right, last one. What is the best part about playing football for BYU? Um, I get to represent the, the Lord School and uh, be able to learn from all these great people that's here around around here at the school. I mean, the coaches and everybody, you know, it's kind of a LDS environment. So, uh, you know, coming in, I've kind of learned from all these guys and uh, just kind of, you know, shaping me to be a better person. I got, got to, you know, learn from a lot of guys, so that's good. All right, let's just let's just address the elephant in the room. <laughs> no, Bugs Bunny is not a Disney character. Okay, Tunes. but are 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 you going to be the one to tell him that? Because I'm not. The man is six two and two forty five, and that's just what's listed. You know, if Sione Taki if, if Taki wants to answer, what's your favorite Disney character with Bugs Bunny? Mark, I'm good with that. I think that Bugs Bunny was in a Mickey Mouse cartoon. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, you know what? I, I That is not my job, okay? If he wants to answer that with Bugs Bunny, I am perfectly okay with letting him do that. Sione, it is fine with me. He, I'm telling you, having him back, Mark, he is such a disruptor. And having him on this defense just adds to the talent, no question about it. Yeah, I'll say he's really, uh, you know, uh, so I saw him in, in practice and he was going against the tackle and the tackle did a nice job of keeping him out on his pass rush. And after the play, Sione Taki, he shook his hand. Then he went back and lined up for the next play. <laughs> and he just blew him. He just blew by him so fast, was back tapping the quarterback. Yeah, so it wasn't going to happen to him twice, that's for sure. Yeah, looking forward to big things from him today as the Cougars get ready to take on the LSU Tigers. All right, coming up next, we'll look ahead to Cougar pregame live. We'll also visit with the voice, Greg Rubel. The Cougar Countdown Show continues after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. My name is Jason Shepard, joined by Mark Lyons. And coming up on Cougar Pregame Live, Nate Mickle will join me for Nate's Notes. You'll also hear from LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. That's all coming up just a few minutes on Cougar Pregame Live. It's now time to visit with the boys, sponsored by Harper's Homemade Bread, all natural, homemade fresh, homemade good. And joining us is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, are you enjoying your time in the Big Easy? You know, I'm, I'm with my good buddy, Mark Lyons. <laughs> Nate's here. How could I not yeah. be enjoying myself here in, in New Orleans? Uh, no, it's, a, it's my third trip to this city. Uh, one time with the football team to play Tulane back in 2009. A couple of years later, Sweet 16 with Jimmer and the Cougs. Oh. And then here we are once again back in uh, Nolens, as they say. And uh, our vantage point, Jason, is different than it was eight years ago when BYU played Tulane. And I only mention this because... I recalled how impressed I was that our our vantage point was so low to the field. We were at mid-level here in the Superdome, so the second concourse up. And, and that was a really optimal viewing spot. I, I could see everything super clearly. Numbers were crisp. And since then, they've made uh, changes to the arrangement here in the building. So now we are twice as high as we used to be. We are under the lip of the roof. And so we're very, very high up. And I've just been testing during warm-ups out my my visual acuity and it's a little tougher okay it's a lot tougher to make out the numbers than it was eight years ago uh and so we'll do our darndest to make sure that every call is 100 percent accurate but there might be a time or two 
where we're just so far away that I might have to, you know, just kind of cross my fingers and hope for the best on some of these IDs. But uh, it's a beautiful, amazing, incredible venue for as old as it is. Everything that's gone into the refurbishments of this uh, venue is, is it's staggering. It, it, it looks gleaming. Uh, here in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, but we are very, very high in the sky. That said, it is a big-time atmosphere. You're down on the field, as I was a few moments ago, and you just felt the buzz and the vibe of being in an NFL building, a lot of attention on a national stage, a late-night game. It's a great feeling to have this kind of game uh, to bring to our listeners tonight. As Coach Sataki uh mentioned last week there were some players who did not play against portland state i know you've had an opportunity to speak with him and you'll hear that full conversation coming up in just a little bit did kalani give you any updates on players who might be back tonight well the one that uh carries with him the most import is butch pau and he is back so uh butch is warming up has warmed up is ready to go so butch pau will play tonight and that was really the you know the, the one absence that uh um you know probably carried uh the least certainty last week and and it's a certainty that he will be with us here this week and playing against LSU now the Tigers there's nothing but I mean Ed Ogeron is not is not saying a lot about players who may or may not be playing for him tonight there there are rumored multiple suspensions and they've already been uh, tweeting out those who cover the LSU Tigers players who don't appear to have traveled with the Tigers uh, to the game tonight and they include a couple of starters one at middle linebacker one at right corner you're already not going to have Arden Key and now we are reading uh, via the reporters who cover the uh, Tigers that Donnie Alexander starting Mike would be gone and Kevin Tolliver starting right corner would be gone and backing up both those guys are freshmen all a bunch of freshmen and there are freshmen dotting this roster there are a lot of young guys who will be seeing their first action or first starts tonight for LSU so I'm sure that Coach Ogeron is, is, is just a little uncertain about everything going into tonight relative to the fact there's no Arden Key. There are a bunch of new starters and a lot of freshmen expected to play. And although it's being handled internally and in-house, there are rumored multiple absences uh, up and down this LSU roster this evening. Greg, uh, is there a... Oh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm interested to get your opinion on the change of venue and what you think about uh, that it's here instead of there. Well... We know that both uh, the Energy Stadium and the Superdome are managed by the same management company. Yeah. And I'm sure that that helped facilitate the shift. But for what had to get done in four or five days, I mean, you would have thought this was going to be the host for the game the entire time. As much as they've uh, uh, dressed it up with all of the pro- appropriate imaging yeah, exactly. and, and signage and all those kinds, and then handling the tickets and getting it staffed, I mean, Man. what an amazing job to, to really bring up, you know, these games are months in the making, as you know, and then they had days to shift it, uh, hundreds of miles. And so kudos to the organizers, uh, thoughts to those who deal with what they're dealing with still back in Texas. But from a football standpoint, it is a game we're talking about to get it staged here the way it looks right now you'd think it was designated for the Superdome from the get-go so kudos to all involved in in making it happen it it just looks fantastic good so uh, Kalani and I did talk a short time ago Uh, Jason you'll hear that entire interview coming up in about uh, 25 minutes coach's thoughts on tonight's game and he'll also reference the Portland State Oregon State game his old team Oregon State and what that game might or might not mean about how BYU played last week as the Cougars took care of the Vikings by maybe a smaller than expected margin, but then PSU turned around today and gave a P, uh, P5 team a heck of a game up there in the Corvallis. So that and a whole lot more coming up with Coach Sataki, and he'll talk a lot about what's going to happen up front in this game, in the trenches, and how big that's going to be for the Tigers and the Cougars here in New Orleans. Jason, back to you. Thank you very much, Greg. Mark, um, 
Yep. Just a couple final thoughts from you as we as we kind of wrap up the Cougar Countdown Show and get ready for Cougar pregame live. Um, it, besides keeping Darius Geis in check, which we've we've talked so much about, wh- what else do you think is the biggest priority for BYU? Well, uh, there's two things. Uh, one is I think that BYU needs to make some big plays today. Uh, so against this defense that they're going to face today, most of BYU's touchdowns, uh, there weren't many of them, but, uh, so the two of their touchdowns really relied on big plays to get them in field position where they could go ahead and finish that drive with a touchdown. So I think they have to anticipate that they need a couple of big plays today also, some receivers making some big-time catches. And secondly, I think you have to limit those big plays from LSU. If you make LSU try to drive it for 15 plays, it's very difficult to do in your first game of the season. So you've got to contain and maintain and not give up the big play. I've been talking about this all week, and and I fully expect BYU's offense to be better today. You know, they've had a week to look back on the film, see what they did right, what they did wrong, where they can improve. But I, 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 I wonder if that will translate into more points because the defense from Portland State to LSU is so much better. What do you think are realistic expectations for what we can see from BYU's offense today? Well, here's one thing that I think is going to be part of the game plan today. Now, LSU plays both man-to-man and zone, and and they switch them up quite a bit. They they play pretty close to 50-50 man and zone cover. So, again, I'm intrigued to see if uh, LSU decides to play a lot of man cover and uh, try to take BYU's receivers out of uh, the opportunity, which is going to lead to a couple of big bombs. Secondly is when they play that zone cover, it's difficult for a team that does kind of like to play man and then go to zone because they leave an awful lot of gaps. And uh, in earlier games, we've seen that uh, LSU has a hard time switching over. They give up that pass underneath in their zone cover. So the defensive strategy on how they play man and how they play zone, I think, is also going to have a bearing tonight uh, for Tanner Mangum to recognize which is which and be able to pick out the right guy to throw it to. Mark, great stuff as always. We'll hear you with uh, with Greg and Nate coming up uh, a little bit later on in the broadcast. Thanks for your time as always. Thank you, and it's uh, been good again. I think this let's, is an Emmy. This is an Emmy winner right here. <laughs> you know what? I'll go with that. Why not? I'll, I'll take that. Mark, great stuff. Thanks. We appreciate it. That's going to do it for the Cougar Countdown Show. Coming up next, it's Cougar Pregame Live. You're listening to the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned in to BYU football on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with Cougar Pregame Live. He's going to go! Touchdown! Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 25 years. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome into Cougar Pre-Game Live. BYU and LSU is about an hour away. Coming up, you will hear from Tigers head coach Ed Orgeron, but we always start things off with Nate's Notes, brought to you by Nissan, proud supporter of college athletics. Learn more at choosenissan.com. And Nate Mickle joins me from the Superdome in Louisiana. Nate, what is the best thing you have eaten in New Orleans so far? Ooh, good question. Let's go with the uh, alligator pobe. Oh boy, excuse me. That was pretty good. Really? Alligator sausage today. Gave Greg and Mark some. They both really liked it. The uh, gumbo was nice as well. 
shrimp creole that we had for lunch was just okay. It was up here in the box. But, yeah, the alligator po' boy, that was, that was something. Boy, you were adventurous, man. I am such a picky eater. I mean, I've had a po' boy in New Orleans, but it was like a chicken po' boy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not going with like a – and I don't like seafood, so that eliminates most of what I would probably eat in New Orleans. Alligator po' boy, that is I'm, very adventurous. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm coming back for it. Yeah, I'm coming back for that. All right. All right, so comparing last week's opponent to this week's opponent would certainly be ridiculous. What is the mindset of a player when you face an FCS team one week and then you take on an SEC powerhouse like LSU the next? Yeah, so that SCS game's fun. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, we got a lot of Disneyland fans out there. I'm a big Disneyland fan. It's kind of mm-hmm. like it's a small world, you know. You're going on the boat ride. you got the pretty characters, the fun music. It's a nice, fun little game. Uh, and, and LSU, I mean, you, you, we know they're good, but then you read about them, you find out they've won eight or more games every season for the last 17. 17 years in a row they've won eight or more in a pretty tough league, the SEC. Uh, 17 years in a row they come into the season ranked. And, and so now all of a sudden, I mean, you're on, uh, what is it, uh, California Screaming? You know, the roller coaster in California Adventure? <laughs> totally different ride. thing. Oh, I love California Screaming, yeah. Love it. And, it's, and that's the difference. I mean, we could come up with lots of other analogies. Uh, last week was a great warm-up. It was fun. But th- this is a whole other level of excitement and intensity. You want to know why Nate Mickle is good at what he does? He knows his audience. He knows <laughs> the Disneyland how people are much. out there, yes. BYU fans <laughs> love Disneyland, and he goes right to it. And, and you I'm know one what? Of them. The analogy you used, everybody perfectly understood that. Well done, Sorry. Nate Mickle. Uh, w- were any questions answered for you in last week's game? Yeah, so the biggest question marks for me this season right now are the wide receivers. And uh, Talon Shumway's a player. I've been hearing about it. Last year he had a couple catches, didn't really do much. He's been hurt. And then he makes that grab down by the end zone. He's running down the sideline. He gathers. He jumps, makes a play. Uh, Coach Ben Cahoon has been telling me in the offseason, you got to watch out for Talon. He's going to be one of our top receivers. Uh, so that was huge. And then Bushman. Uh, we've been wondering about Bushman. We've been excited for Bushman. And to see him make that play just one-on-one, went up and got the ball. Uh, so I think those two guys uh, really uh, are crucial for Tanner because when Tanner was playing before, he was throwing to big receivers that made plays like Mitch Matthews and Kurtz and Taron Houck. Um, so the other thing, too, that I'm looking for tonight, I'm looking for the guys to get behind the defense, see if Bo Tanner and Jonah Trinovan get behind the D. Bo Tanner had a great fall camp. They tried to get him behind the defense one play last week, and he got behind the D. Tanner overthrew him. Uh, but that's where I'm continuing to watch closely is the wide receivers. They had a, a decent, they did a decent job last week, especially when you break down the film, looking to see if they can get open tonight. Talking with Nate Mickle, he's joining us from the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. He will be roaming the sidelines tonight on the broadcast with Greg Rubel and Mark Lyons. What do you think the defensive game plan is against a player like Darius Geis? Oh, stack the box. I mean, you have to. The guy is incredible. 1,400 yards last year, almost 8 yards of carry, 15 TDs, has the record run from scrimmage in all of LSU football history, single-game rush record, 285 against Texas A&M, all in all-time LSU history. Uh, the, the receivers for LSU coming back, uh, they're, you know, most of the top guys are gone. Their quarterback, he's, he's decent. Uh, so you don't expect much from the passing game, especially with the new offensive coordinator in Canada. Now, he's a good offensive coordinator. He's creative. But we know how much 
offensive coordinators struggle in their first game and how much offense is struggling in the first game under a new OC. Uh, so I just expect BYU to stack the box, and, and all the attention is on stopping guys. Based off of what you've seen from this LSU defense and, and keeping in mind that they're going to be without several starters on the defensive side of the football, yeah. where do you expect Tanner and the Cougar offense to try to attack it? Yeah, so you look at uh, who they lost from last year's defense, which was a top defense. Well, they lost their top six tacklers. Nobody wants to lose their top six. Not not a few of their top six, all top six. Their best returning players out. So now you're down... Uh, you've lost your top seven from last year. Then you got a couple starters that sounds like they're going to be suspended. So all of a sudden, uh, this is an entirely different defense. Now you're filling it, it up with SEC talent, of course, uh, but they're going to be young. They're going to be new. So I, I really think BYU is going to try and get behind the defense tonight. I think they need to hit a couple big plays. Sustaining long drives is going to be difficult against this physical, uh, tough defense. So I think you're trying to get Bo Tanner, Jonah Trinaman behind the defense and then working Matt Bushman in the middle of the field. Matt Bushman's a big-time player, and, and I think that's where BYU can can get you know a couple touchdowns if they can uh, get behind the D and hit Bushman across the middle a few times. All right, last question. Biggest key for the Cougars to be successful tonight is what? Yeah, I think you've got to take care of Tanner. Uh, if Tanner has a little bit of time to find the guys, uh, BYU has a chance, get behind the defense. And if they could force a turnover or two, that would go a long way towards getting a victory. And I'm thinking if BYU does win, it's going to be like the Oklahoma game, like uh, the was it the Ole Miss game when Kyle Van Noy had the, the strip sack touchdown if I remember right, but it's going to be, I'm expecting, low-scoring game. Uh, and I think if BYU can do those things, that's where they can come out here with a win. Great stuff, man. And if there's any BYU fans that are close enough to the field, if you want to sneak uh, Nate a uh, an alligator po' boy at some point, he would probably yeah. uh, be willing to take that. Yes, and I've got one in would my... Would you take uh, a po' boy from a, a BYU fan yeah, if he just handed absolutely. it to you? Absolutely. There you go. Just telling you, there's an opportunity. Nate, great stuff, man. Always appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Chef. You bet. On the other side, we'll hear from Ed Orgeron, the head coach of the LSU Tigers and one of the best voices you will ever hear. That is next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back into Cougar Pregame Live. Jason Shepard with you in our BYU Radio Studios in Provo. Getting you ready for BYU and LSU. Ed Orgeron, the head coach of the LSU Tigers. He met with the media this week to discuss tonight's matchup. And right out of the gate, Coach Orgeron was asked about BYU. And Ed gave his impressions about the Cougars. Uh, On to BYU, a little scouting report. First of all, they're very well coached. They're tough. They're hard-nosed. Their experience, their record was 9-4 and four last year. They won eight out of their last nine games. The four losses were by a combined eight total points. This is a good football team. They know how to win. BYU historically has wanted to stay in tight games and win it at the end. So we know we're in for a battle, and we look forward to it. Truly one of the best voices that you will ever hear. I love that voice. I could listen to it all the time. I would listen to any book on tape that Ed Orgeron 
read to me. BYU's play against Portland State was a topic during Coach Orgeron's press conference, and Ed was asked what he would tell his guys about the Cougars and the way the game played out against the Vikings last Saturday. I'm sure the defensive line to film what Portland State's line is getting crushed. Well, their running backs are running over people. They're physical and they're very good. I'm going to show them the film where their defensive line is crushing their offensive line. They're a good football team. They'll get that message today. We heard from Fred Warner this week uh, talking about the fact that he believes that it is an advantage for BYU that they have already played a game. And obviously this is the first game for LSU. Coach Orgeron was asked if he thinks one team has an advantage or not. That's where they have their advantage. There's no question. You know, those coaches are in there, and they're making adjustments. They're making mistakes. They saw them live. We don't have that luxury, but also they didn't see us play neither, so we got an advantage to see their guys. Made a lot of cut-ups from the TV copies, so we understand what they're trying to do. Obviously, they're going to put in new wrinkles that we're going to have to make adjustments, but we're very well prepared for that. It really is going to be one of the interesting um, aspects to watch tonight. With BYU with a game under its belt, Having had the opportunity to look back on the film, is that going to be an advantage enough? Because you're looking at, and and we'll go over some scores throughout the night. I mean, you look at some of these scores in college football today, and, you know, Western Michigan was giving USC all it could handle. I mean, the Trojans are now pulling away 49-31. But, I mean, the first games for teams are just... They can get crazy. There's so many unknowns, and you're hoping that BYU can take advantage of a team that not only is missing some starters, you know, that's it's without some players, but can take advantage of the fact that they are still working through some of the kinks. We'll see if that's something that uh, that plays out. Uh, a question part of the Portland State game was just how much the Cougars were going to show in that first game, knowing that LSU was up next. Uh, Ed talked about what he expects to see from BYU tonight. Well, number one is... Obviously, they're going to put in new wrinkles for us. I think that uh, from what I'm hearing, they've been game planning for us for a long time. They've been calling other schools about information and stuff like that, so we've got that word. So obviously, I think those guys, like anybody else, would have made a game plan throughout the summer. And we said, we're going to show this against Portland State. We're not going to show it. So we know that. But we've gone back through 12 games of last year. And we're going through every formation and every play. So as a defense, every defense, every blitz. So we're prepared for it. LSU has been through situations like this before. And the situation I'm talking about is having having games moved due to weather. They've dealt with disruptions like this in the past. And Coach Orgeron thinks his team is certainly prepared to handle any situation. Since we took over, uh, tell the truth Monday, competition Tuesday, it's all built on focusing on the task at hand on a daily basis. And I told the team, block out the doors. Look at all the stuff we went through last year. I mean, going into the last week, who's going to be the coach, who's not going to be the coach. And our focus was going to be Texas A&M, and we did it. So I think this team is trained. I think that when I talked to them today, focusing on the task at hand, all of them have come through the office today and said, Coach, I don't care where we play, let's go. We're ready to play. Just tell us what to do. So I think that's the mindset of the team. LSU offense now under new offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Coach Orgeron was asked if he expects this Tigers offense to be better than last season's. Uh, when we took over, we broke a bunch of records on offense. You know, our first game, we had 670-something yards of offense. I don't know how much better you're going to be there, you know. But I think consistency, uh, running the ball 50% of the time, throwing the ball 50% of the time, 
being unpredictable in formations, uh, running a spread offense, I think I know all those things going to be better. You know what I'm saying? But since we took over, I think that we were very good on offense except for the Alabama game. And, uh, you know, we ran for so many yards against Texas A&M. I don't remember how many yards that was. We went to Arkansas, did very well. I think our guys are going to improve throughout the year. I think Matt Canada does a tremendous job on offense. Uh, he's averaged 40 to 43 points a game wherever he's been, or at Pittsburgh for sure. So if we can get that points per game average up from last year, I would say we'll be a lot better. That's the other aspect of this. Not only is this the first game of the season, it's the first game for this offense under a new offensive coordinator. I mean, there's there are still a lot of unknowns about the LSU Tigers, and uh, and we're going to see uh, in uh, in about 45 minutes or so uh, if they can answer some of those questions. When we come back, we'll look at some other action in college football. Lots of games going on today. Unlike last week where we only had like two games, there is a complete slate today. We'll go over some of those scores next. This is Kruger Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Final segment of Cougar pregame live. Jason Shepard with you, getting you ready for BYU and the LSU Tigers. We'll get you back to the Superdome coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get you ready for the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. But before we do that, let's update you on some other scores in college football. We'll give you some scores in the top 25. This game just about to be a final. Number four, USC defeating Western Michigan. This game was close. Western Michigan made things very uneasy for the Trojans. 49-31 looks like it's going to be your final score in favor of USC. 22 seconds to go in the third quarter. Number 15, Georgia, leads Appalachian State 31 to nothing at half. It is number 20, Kansas State, all over Central Arkansas by a score of 38-16. to Five minutes in the first half. Number 12, Auburn, leading Georgia Southern by 10 by a score of 17-7. to Six minutes to go in the first half. Number 16, Louisville leading at Purdue by a score of 10 to 7. Three minutes in the first. Number one, Alabama with a 3 to nothing lead over number three, Florida State. Some finals for you. Number five, Clemson defeats Kent State 56 to 3. Number six, Penn State ekes out a win over Akron by a final score of 52 to nothing. Number seven, Oklahoma, new head coach, no problem for the Sooners. They defeat UTEP 56 to 7. Number 11, Michigan defeats number 17, Florida by a final of 33-17. to 17. Number 18, Miami over Bethune-Cookman, 41-13. South Florida, 19th in the country, defeats Stony Brook by a final of 31-17. to 17. And it is Maryland upsetting number 23, Texas, by a score of 51-41. The Tom Herman era begins with a loss for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, coming up a little bit later, obviously besides number 13, LSU and BYU, at uh, 8.30 Mountain Time, it is number 24, Washington State, hosting Montana State. All right, couple of to-do list items for me for BYU. We've talked about it really over the last 90 minutes. For BYU to be successful on the to-do list, keep Darius Geis in check. This is a Heisman candidate. This is a load to deal with. If BYU can keep him in check, that will go a long way 
in securing a victory tonight. Also, avoid third and long situations. We saw that against Portland State last week. BYU found themselves in third and long. Getting decent yardage on first and second down is going to be crucial for the BYU offense, especially against a team that has a defense as physical as the LSU Tigers. And that's my last key on my to-do list, match the physicality of LSU. You heard from Chris Blair uh, earlier in pregame, the voice of the LSU Tigers. He said Ed Orgeron is well aware of how physical uh, BYU wants to play, so his team wants to make sure that they match BYU's physicality. Well, BYU's going to have to do the exact same thing, match the physicality of the LSU Tigers. That is a wrap for Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Sataki. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome inside the dazzling Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, for a game that was to be played hundreds of miles west of here. But Hurricane Harvey was not in the game plan for the organizers of the AdvoCare Texas kickoff featuring BYU and LSU. And after that storm uh, ravaged the city of Houston, officials, well, they called an audible, uh, moving tonight's contest out of flood-lashed Texas over to New Orleans. The thoughts are with the displaced citizens of the Low Star State. A fundraising will, by the way, happen here tonight in an effort to aid the victims of Hurricane Harvey. I'm Greg Grubel, joined very, very high above field level in our radio <laughs> commentary booth my former BYU quarterback and my broadcast partner for many years now, the Arvada Flash, Mark Lyons. And uh, Mark, the backstory of this week is dramatic and disastrous, but the nuts and bolts of this game remain the same. BYU, the heavy underdog. LSU, the annual top 25 mainstay. And they'll have an even greater crowd percentage here than they would have had in Houston. The Cougars are facing a tall task against the Tigers. Boy, they really are a good team, Greg. And it's going to be a real challenge to face such a high-ranked athletic team as LSU. But BYU has to be excited to play again after their average performance in their opening game last week. You know, uh, related to the challenge, uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, when you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. So that's what BYU is looking for today is to not surrender to the challenge of the task to face this good football team. Coach Sataki couldn't wait to get to the practice last week in order to get rid of those game day mistakes that they'd made against uh, Portland State. So uh, I think that this is their opportunity to come out and show somebody against a real good football team. What better than to play a 13th ranked LSU next, right? Yeah, so this is what BYU has been thinking all day. It's a carpenter song. Son of a gun, we'll have big fun down the bayou. Is that it? No, not even close. Go with it, Greg. Help me out. I'm with you. Son of a gun, we'll have big fun down on the bayou. There we go. But even though we're inside, even though we're inside, Mark, it's the kind of day that oh, you Oh, Greg, might my say, boy, let me tell you, Greg. Greg, my boy, what a great day for a football game. You know, Mark and I socialize a lot. We're out and about. And if I had a dollar for every time he quoted Mahatma Gandhi to me, I'll tell you. <laughs> time for a break. Uh, coming up next, my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Satake as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues live from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Fifteen years ago or so, Coach Gary Croton had LSU on the schedule. That's right. They then went off the schedule, huh. and they've not played until uh, this year here in uh, 2017. Yeah. It is the AdvoCare Texas kickoff in Louisiana here at the Superdome as the 1-0 Cougars take on the Tigers in their season opener. And by the way, credit to LSU. 
a lot of teams open the season with a game you're going to win. A cupcake, if you will. The last 50 seasons, 39 times they've played a P5 team in the opener, 11 times a non-P5. This is only their 12th non-P5 wow. opener in the last 51 seasons. So generally speaking, they play a good team in game one. Pretty impressive. They challenge themselves that is, that is and, of course, and BYU is a good team, too. Let's not get confused. Yeah. I'm just saying, in terms of P5, non-P5, this goes as a non-P5, but again, kind of in line with how they like to play early in the season. They give themselves a challenge, so credit to them. Now, BYU opened the 2017 season with that 20-6 uh, to win over FCS for Portland State. And by the way, what Portland State did today might alter your perception a little bit of what went happened last week. Now, you're supposed to beat the FCS team, and BYU did. Oregon State was supposed to beat the FCS team, but with a minute and a half to go, they weren't beating the FCS team. They got a late, last-minute touchdown to beat the Vikings, who missed a game-tying field goal, and they had a special teams disaster today. They, had, they scored five touchdowns and got points after on one of the five touchdowns. <laughs> they missed a PAT, had a PAT block, missed two missed two-point two conversions, and finally made a two-pointer, so they lose 35-32. The point is, Last week against BYU, Portland State ran for two-point yards per rush. Today, it's at Oregon State, 5.4 yards per up, rush. boy, yeah. Last week, Portland State, 3.1 yards per play. Today, Portland State, 6.2 yards per play. So maybe BYU's defense is pretty good. We'll tell a lot more tonight, but let's take a look at that game last week and realize that was not a bad game they got from that team who almost beat uh, the P5 team out of the Pac-12 this afternoon in Corvallis. Anyway, as backstory, neither Kalani Zitake nor his team, coach, staff, players, were terribly satisfied with that 20-6 win over the Vikings. It was a game with enough rough edges that will need smoothing out for BYU to have a shot to hang with and then beat the 12th and 13th-ranked Tigers of LSU. I spoke with the coach of the Cougars in the bowels of the Superdome a short time ago and asked him uh, where he thinks that BYU needs to be most improved from week one to get a win in week two. In all facets of the game, so uh, in everything. I mean, I, I think that having the second game and um, being something that kind of, you know, we had one un get one game that we had under our belt and just felt really more comfortable with um, even pregame. I mean, looking at our our night at the, the hotel and everything that we that led up to this game as far as uh, pregame meal and everything, you guys seem a little bit more relaxed, you know, and they, they, they uh, I think just having that experience was good for them. But, um, you know, we, we know the things that we need to fix, and we had a really good week of practice, and so I hope that carries over into this game because I, I believe if we just play the way we practice, we should be fine. Personnel-wise, anybody we didn't see last week that we might see this week for you? Yeah, um, Butch will play, and, um, you know, we're excited about him. And, and uh, uh, other than that, I mean, I, I know that there's some guys that were a little banged up and what to see how they go. I mean, I, I, I think guys that come to mind like Austin Lee and a few others. But um, we'll, we'll see how, how they do in, pre, in the pregame warm-up. But for now, um, that's the m most important one is that he's a starter for us, and he'll be, he'll be there for the first snap. Of the guys you've coached against, running backs you've coached or played against uh, in the last number of years, uh, where does Darius Geis appear to stack up to you? Oh yeah, he's up there with the best of them. I mean, he he um, he's a Heisman candidate, you know. So uh, he he made a lot of uh, a lot of noise last year, and and uh, you know I, I anticipate he's going to be a great player for them this year. Just hope that it's uh, after this game, <laughs> you know. So um, w it's going to be a tough task, but I think our guys are, are looking forward to it and. And, um, you know, we, I think that that's a huge compliment. He gets a lot of credit, but they have a really good old line and, and great coaches, and, and I think the scheme fits what he's trying to do as a running back. And so uh, it's, a, it's a tough um, task, but I think our guys are willing to, to match the challenge, and we'll see how it all works out. Is he toughest between the tackles or needs to get out into some uh, into some room? <clears throat> well, I think he's just an overall great back. I mean, he he's proven that he can turn uh, – uh, 
he he can dip his shoulder and get the yards that he needs to do, to do is be aggressive, but then he also has the speed to break a big one. So uh, it's, it's, that's why he's one of the best, and that's why he's a Heisman candidate because he, he's a complete back. What do you think their quarterback does well? Um, so I think he managed the game well, and I think he he'll do a good job. He he's uh, deceivingly he, he runs well, so I think that's um, something that we've worked on uh, a lot this this week. You know, dealing with uh, with Etling and with with Geis as as a running back uh, quarterback combo. You know, with a lot of the read stuff, they do a lot of misdirection. Um, that's what Matt Canada has done in the past at Pitt, and so you'll see different uh, different ball carriers get the ball in different ways. They'll they'll, they'll stress you a little bit with the with the fly sweep stuff, and they do fly sweep to a lot of different people. So I think they do a great job of spreading the ball around and, and making you be a disciplined defense. But uh, for us, it's important for us to win our 111th on the field and then make plays when we have the opportunity. Whether at Utah or BYU, you've coached against SEC programs. What's important for your guys to know and understand about that style of play and the ability to compete with them? Because you've done it. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to realize that our guys are strong and, and uh, they work just as hard and and you know just don't don't beat themselves. Just get to the game and anticipate getting there and anticipate yourself doing well. Um, I mean, I, I think physically up front, uh, we should we should match up with these guys. And so I, I think that if we're physical up front. We can match up with them. That we should match up in a lot of different places. I know the, the lots to be said about their speed and athleticism, but I, I don't I don't think we are that bad of a team to begin with and then I think there's ways we can make up for some of the deficiencies that we have and we've proven in the past that we can hang with some of these big boys and we consider ourselves a, a big time program so uh, this is a great opportunity for us to make that make that mark. Guys is legit for sure but do you think that solid rush defense is more than half the battle tonight if you guys get that done? Yeah, and that's uh, simple things like the, the fundamentals part. The fundamental part of the game um, tackles. We have to tackle well. He he makes people miss, and 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 so when when he does that, and if he if he's able to make somebody miss, we need to have um, that pursuit to the ball, and everyone's just got to be relentless getting to him. And you can't just assume that he's tackled. You know, he's one of those guys that you got to you got to play to the whistle, make sure that we secure the the ball carrier, make sure that he's down, and then we can keep rolling. But I think we, I think there's times the teams can take it for granted, assume that someone's tackled, and we can't do that today. And our focus has been to just focus on the fundamentals this week and and uh, be really good at, at what we what we uh, we think our identity is, and we'll see from from that how how it helps in our game plan. But you're glad to have had a game out of the way before this one. It sounds like definitely. I mean, I'm I'm glad we were able to make those mistakes and get those seven penalties and <laughs> and learn from them. And um, you know, ha- had we had some adversity that we didn't respond really well to, and, and had some points that didn't show up on the board because of our mistakes. But um, and we were able to win. I mean, you saw what Portland State did with Oregon State, yeah, you know, and, and so I, I think they they. Uh, you can see how physical they were up front, and I, I don't think they had that that matchup against us. I, th- I felt comfortable with that, and you know, going into this game, I think our guys can be a little bit more confident going into this against against a, a physical team. But let's see how we match up against them. Final thing: What can you say about the organizers of this game, who in this week and these number of days? moved in a, a big production to this great building and have it looking good for you. Very impressive and, and the fact that they were able to do it so quickly and um, I mean it, it was it wasn't a lot of stress on our on our behalf you know we, we knew that it was a change of venues but other than that uh, just playing in a different city uh, I, I'm looking forward to our players just getting out there and playing the game and it was it wasn't that much of a transition I mean uh, for all we care, this is Houston, and we're playing the game tonight. Here, you know, we're just playing in a dome, and so this is an indoor game, and and a lot of tradition here. The guys are excited, so I think in in a, in a way, it was it was kind of like a cool wake up call for them to 
So first of all, I appreciate what they have, and and uh, and that there's other people that are struggling, but to also lend them help and pray for others, and then and, uh, that we be grateful that we get to play this game. All right. Well, Coach, good luck tonight. We will talk to you afterward. All right. Let's go. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake going with, again, the let's go as opposed to go Cougs at the end of the interview. He's yeah. 1-0 with let's go, so let's see if we can make it 2-0 tonight. That is the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. Our look ahead to BYU and LSU continues right after this from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Kickoff. Touchdown! He does it again! Is just around the corner. You're tuned to the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show. Republic Wireless. Life is better when we're connected. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by your local Utah Honda dealers and by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana on the first true opening weekend of the college football season. The Cougars were one of a handful of teams who got to play last Saturday, as we all know, but the 2017 season is into full swing today. And BYU-LSU among the last games on the Saturday slate. It'll be a late night for the Cougars and Tigers and their fans down on the bayou. I'm Greg Grubel, joined in our broadcast booth by game analyst Mark Lyons, engineer Barry Squires, engineering assistant Michael Shreve, spotter Doug Martin, statsman Ralph Sokolowski, and down on the field, he's former Cougar receiver, return man, and academic All-American, Nate Mickle. Nate reports from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Nate will join us later in our pregame show. We have Jason Shepard joining us in studio, and our board operator is Carter Malloy. You are tuned in on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, coast-to-coast on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. We are on satellite. Over the air, our flagship is KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM in Salt Lake City. And we are also on our BYU Sports Network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. And we're around the globe online, byuradio.org, byucougars.com, ksl.com, and on the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Radio app, the KSL Radio app, and the TuneIn app. So lots of ways to listen in, and we're very happy that you're joining us this evening. Well, uh, Mark, Coach Satake had to constantly uh, caution a lot of people during the offseason that uh, the first game to worry about was actually Portland State and not LSU. But when you're expected to kind of steamroll the FCS team, attention naturally turns a little bit to that marquee matchup in Game 2. And whether the Cougars snuck a peek at the second week or just didn't take Portland State maybe seriously enough in the end, it uh, it wasn't the blowout that some observers expected it to be last week. Certainly BYU wanted to win and win bigger. Didn't happen that way. But I think the result might actually work in BYU's favor because you get the win, right? That's that's a good thing. And, and maybe the Tigers are the team that uh, maybe looks at BYU a little bit like BYU looked at its first game. Maybe that's ah, a team we can handle. Uh, the Cougars uh, may have gotten a bit of a wake-up call, I think, and they got to win while getting it, and uh, hopefully it works out uh, in their favor this week. Well, BYU definitely was not happy with their play against Portland State, and so I do think that they have something to prove this week that they're going to play a better football game. You make your most improvement, they always say, between the first and second games. So they have an opportunity to come out and play crisper, sharper, and eliminate some of those mistakes. This is LSU's first game, and there's two things about that. One is they're pumped up and excited that they get to hit somebody besides their own guys. We always talk about that in the first game. But secondly, 
they do have those first game jitters to work out and so it'll be a little challenging then the third thing is the suspensions and injuries have really taken away some of their better players so they're going to be playing with some backups that might have an effect on this game question might be how much of a back uh, of an effect uh, so yeah. much so many of their backups are the four and the five stars and the all-american this and the and the you know top 10 of the country that and so even if they have to go a little deeper down the depth chart, it's a pretty deep depth chart. Pretty good athletes that are still going to be showing up out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's generally speaking, they're pretty good at LSU. Stay in touch with the nationwide smartphone coverage starting at only $20 per month with Republic Wireless. Better coverage in more places for less money. When we come back, the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show continues from New Orleans. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Right, so welcome back to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans for the second game of the Cougars 2017 season. The 1-0 Cougs taking on LSU in its season opener with the game technically on a neutral field, but uh, being played in the backyard of Baton Rouge. The Superdome sits only 80 miles away from the Tigers' home campus. LSU tonight playing its 19th game all-time in this building. The Cougars playing their second game in this venue. LSU all-time 13-5 at the Superdome. BYU in its First game, its only game, defeated Tulane 54 to three. Yeah, big back one. in 2009. And remember, when we came for that game, Mark, we were about half as close to the field as we are now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We could see it <laughs> in that game. We are way up there. We are we are above the highest seat in the Superdome. We are above, and we usually are higher than most fans or a lot of fans. But we are at the tip top, underneath the lip of the roof here at the Superdome. So it's a ways away down there. We'll do our best to call an accurate game. The catwalk is right above us, just, you know, 10 feet. It feels like it's below us (laughs) if we're high enough. All right, uh, but uh, weather in Houston, which is another, of course, another NFL venue, beautiful building. We actually had the pleasure of calling a game at Energy Stadium back a few years ago. Man, a great game, and what a beautiful venue that was. And here we are in in as dazzling a venue, even though it's many, many, many years older. But whether Houston... Or New Orleans, LSU was going to be the heavy favorite uh, here tonight. But speaking of that 2009 game when we were here, the week before BYU beat Tulane in this building, they were in another NFL stadium. So BYU opened the year with back-to-back NFL venue games in 09. It was Cowboys Stadium in Arlington for game two, where BYU was, like tonight, a heavy underdog and upset number three, Oklahoma, 14-13, when the building was full of Sooner fans. So it's a similar deal, right? NFL venue, closer to the opponent, a lot of their fans in the building, national ranking, and BYU won that game. So we've seen the Cougars do the improbable in hostile territory before early in the season. Here's hoping, of course, they can do it again. And if it happens, wouldn't be surprised if a similar scoreline might be in score, a lower scoring game. The LSU defense under D.C. Dave Aranda was among the best in the country last season, and BYU knows him well, whether at Hawaii, Utah State, Wisconsin, or now LSU. Yeah. He is a good one, gets paid a ton of money to coordinate this defense. Well, Greg, you've, you've been talking about all of those comparisons of BYU-Oklahoma and BYU-LSU you know, all day today, and, and you've won me over. I'm now in that same opinion that I think that uh, BYU can come out and play head-to-head with this LSU team. I see them now as even comparisons. But here are some of the things that's going wrong for LSU. Five of last year's defensive starters were drafted in the NFL, and two more of them went as free agents. So they had really good players last year. They are replacing 
seven guys this year because uh, Arden Key isn't going to play today because of the injury. So that's a lot of people to change on your defense. However, talking to a fan on the airplane on the flight down here, he said that the defense is still ahead of the offense so far in their scrimmages that they've had this season. So that also tells me that they're having some struggles with a new offensive coordinator and a new offense that they're putting in. So their leading tackler, Arden Key, isn't going to be here. He's hurt. And so I think that there are enough things that LSU is facing as challenges that could uh, end up becoming a real problem for them in this football game. In addition to Arden Key, LSU beat writer Ross Dellinger on Twitter reports there are 13 Tigers absent besides Key. And of those 13, five were on my defensive two deep for LSU, including a couple of starters. So we'll see how it all shakes out tonight. They're down some bodies here for this opener. It is time for a break as we head to this brief break. It's time for You Be the Judge, sponsored by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. Here's tonight's football rules scenario. Second and ten on the 25-yard line. The offensive team's 25-yard line, so we're coming out. Okay. The quarterback is contacted while attempting to throw a forward pass, and the ball comes loose before his hand starts forward. Yeah. The ball hits the ground at the 20, and a defensive lineman for the opponent recovers it and carries it across the goal line for a touchdown. The referee rules incomplete pass, but the play is under review as to whether it was incomplete or a fumble. What is the outcome of the review? The answer is coming up next as the Cougar Kickoff Show continues the Wireless Republic, Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show from Mercedes-Benz Superdome here in New Orleans on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Back at the Superdome for the Advocare Texas Kickoff. Uh, the game moved from Houston to New Orleans due to Hurricane Harvey. Disaster relief efforts will be featured at the stadium here tonight. All right, the BYU and LSU coming up. But uh, first, the answer in today's NCAA football rules question in You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Here is tonight's football rules scenario. So it's second and ten on the offensive team's 25-yard line. The quarterback is contacted while attempting to throw a forward pass, and the ball comes loose before his hand starts forward. The ball hits the ground at the 20-yard line. Defensive lineman recovers it and carries it across the goal line for a touchdown. But the referee rules incomplete pass. It's under review as to whether it's incomplete pass or fumble. What's the outcome of the review? Well, if he was contacted before the hand comes forward, it's got to be a fumble, right? Right. So you reverse to fumble. Defensive team takes over on the 20-yard line. No touchdown. If the ruling is reversed, defensive team gets possession, but no advance is allowed. So we're taking points off the board. I don't get how there's no advance allowed on any other fumble you can advance. But on review, if it's determined. Oh, yeah, on review. review. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because. They're giving it to you, but no advance. They would advance. have blown a dead ball there with you an go. incomplete pass. So you get yeah. the ball, don't get the touchdown, which wasn't scored originally because they called it incomplete pass, but there right. you go. Mm-hmm. That's You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Coming into the season, folks, offensive coordinator Ty Detmer said he was out to get more chunk plays, if you will. Big runs, big passes that move the chains and keep the team on schedule with some added explosive elements. But last week's game against Portland State, uh, too many mistakes and penalties either nullified big gains, took points off the board, or had BYU in really disadvantageous down-and-distance situations. The Cougars' average third-down distance against an FCS team was nine yards. The average is third and nine. That's a tough down-and-distance deal to deal with. That's too big a number. Now, against a team like LSU, if you're not making first and second down yardage, Tigers will tee off on you on third down, and it's imperative 
that BYU stay more, if you will, on schedule tonight. You don't need to score on every drive, but you have to keep the average starting field position somewhat tight in the margin. Turnover margin's a part of that, and BYU positively, Mark, had no giveaways last week. If they go zero turnovers tonight, you're going to give yourself a shot against this team. Absolutely, yeah, because the, that big difference is that BYU gave up no points on turnovers. They only got three points out of the turnovers they got, though. However, uh, with uh, no turnovers, that also led to a field position plus for BYU. Portland State was always looking at long fields. Let's pause for our national anthem here at the Superdome. As our pregame coverage of BYU and LSU continues, this is the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, to Cougar fans, post your favorite fan picks with hashtag Les Olson IT for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card after every home game from Les Olson. That's hashtag Les Olson IT with your favorite fan picks. You could be a winner of that gift card tonight. Go Cougs. Well, BYU and LSU straight ahead here in, uh, here in New Orleans. And on the uh, LSU side of the field, the story leading up to the game is as much about who won't play as who will. Uh, end rusher Arden Key has been ruled out. We talked about 13 guys other than Key absent tonight. Uh, rumored suspensions, some in the two deep. Now, LSU does start a senior quarterback, Purdue transfer Danny Etling. But head coach Ed Ogeron uh, didn't name him the starter until late in camp. Running back Darius Guy should make Etling's life a little easier. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate, led the SEC in rushing last season. His yards per carry average is silly. And, Mark, uh, the Tigers are... It, they're not experienced at wide receiver. They're relatively inexperienced there and on the O-line, really. The quarterback is good, but not great, maybe. Geis, though, is great. Now, without key, Geis is the key Tiger tonight. I think BYU run defense may well decide uh, tonight's game. Boy, you know, this uh, kid's really good. He plays behind uh, an All-American in uh, Leonard Fournette. And uh, who got drafted in the first round, I think it was like the fourth pick. And so for Darius Geis to outrun him last year, even though Fournette was hurt most uh, half the season, that huge number is 7.6 yards a carry. It was just crazy. Played in all 12 games and ran for 1,387 yards last year. So uh, I really think that he is the key. But... I also think that uh, it's going to be possible that they want to play action pass. They run a lot of motion, and they're going to sneak him when he runs it and also use his uh, – he's going to be used as a decoy many times to throw the football. Now, when he's going well, their first down gains 
help them in third down. Yeah, right. And, and, and where BYU needed help last week, Mark, was in first down gains. Whether it was Squally, Canada, or whomever, BYU wasn't getting enough yardage on first down, right? BYU had 25 first downs last week. So they had 25 opportunities. And in 12 of those, like half of those, they got three or less yards. And so that's just a killer when you're saying that you have to be on track on your first downs. They got behind the chains, and you really have a hard time making that up if you're going to have to throw the football more than you want to or the opponent knows you're going to throw it. And that's a great way to lose the field position battle is to be off schedule, behind schedule, and giving yourself those third and very longs. And BYU had a lot of those last week. I think this is going to be a field position game, and so the punt game is going to be important, and I also think that... uh, not turning the football over is going to help in that. Let's bring in Nate Mickle now from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten, who keeps us in business. And, Nate, when it comes to deciding factors, where are you leaning tonight? Yeah, I'm just looking at Darius Geis. At BYU can hold him to 100, 125. I think they got a real good chance of winning this game. And one of the strengths of this BYU team is the defensive line and the linebacking core. So I think they have a good chance of being able to keep him in check. Butch Pau is back tonight. Nate, give us a sense of the vibe down at field level. I look around around right now. Yeah, there's a lot of purple and gold. They're right in Baton Rouge's backyard, but there's a nice chunk of blue out there, and it feels like a big-time atmosphere up top. What are you seeing down there? Yeah, you know, we came here before, as you mentioned, and it was kind of like a peewee football game compared to this. The stands are packed. Lots of purple and gold, but right here behind the BYU bench, tons of blue, tons of excitement. Laissez le bon temps rouler. (laughs) Kickoff is coming up. After this, we'll get Mark's Ken Garp keys to the game, the coin toss, and the kick. This has been the Republic Wireless Cougar kickoff show. BYU football continues in a moment, live from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.